shot. He scores right out in front. Jake Voracek on the doorstep. And the Flyers early in this first period are off and running. Welcome, everyone. It is the Fly Guys podcast. It is the recap of Game 3, episode number 32. Justin Goodart here, Cameron Klein in the comfort of his own home. Not here today. He is uh, coming back from a wedding, so I thought I would take on the Game 3 recap, and then we will have Cameron back on after Game 5. We're going to not do a show after Game 4 because, obviously, the Flyers play Tuesday and Wednesday. Flyers actually have a chance to wrap up the series which could be really that could be a really exciting show if if they're able to do that. But for now, we're going to talk about game 3. The Flyers took the series lead 2 to 1. They won game 3 one nothing. I'm going to talk to you about what I liked, what I didn't like. We're going to hear from Elaine Vigno at from after the game, and we're also going to talk about what's going on across the NHL. So, let's get right into it. Flyers won one to nothing on the goal from Jake Voracek kind of early on in the first period. They got the first line going. Claude Giroux got an assist. Voracek scores after putting him back on the first line. We had talked about that on the last episode, that it was possible that they could put him back after taking Farabee kind of out of the game later in Game 2. Farabee really didn't play that much at all with Terrier and Giroux. And ultimately what happened was the Flyers getting the game-winning goal in the first period, if you can believe that, off of the stick of Jake Voracek, who, in my opinion, has played pretty well throughout these playoffs, even though he's been a little banged up, hasn't been on the first line. For the most part, everything that we talked about that the Flyers having to do was done. They were much better with their forecheck. They were much better in the neutral zone, and the defense was significantly better. And I attribute some of that to Elaine Vigneault's coaching adjustments. I attribute that to the Flyers just being more ready for the speed and tenacity of the Montreal Canadiens. And I also attribute it to Robert Haig's presence in the game. People don't love to talk about hitting in hockey anymore. It's almost kind of like an inside joke with a lot of analytical people that are like, you know, hitting in hockey, you know, wins you games. Yeah, right. Well, establishing yourself on a physical presence is important. And I didn't think that the Flyers went too crazy with the hitting. I thought that they did just enough to kind of keep Montreal at bay. And I thought Montreal looked a lot slower in Game 3 than Game 2. I think that Robert Haig and Justin Braun, they just seemed to work better together than... Shane Gossespierre and Justin Braun. It's not a knock against Shane Gossespierre. This might just be about chemistry. And in the playoffs, chemistry actually can be just as effective as your talent. And I think that you've seen that from the Montreal Canadiens. I think that they have a lot of chemistry that's worked for them, not only on the defensive front, but also the way that their forwards have been able to move. Those top two lines with uh, Tomas Tartar and uh, Brendan Gallagher. They have uh, Nick Suzuki, not to mention they have this Kakteniemi, who has name I still can't pronounce, but he's becoming a real pain in the butt for the Flyers. Regardless of all of that, the Flyers played significantly better, and they had to. That was what I liked. What I didn't like is the same thing that nobody liked, and it was the power play. They got one goal, and on a night against Carey Price, I understand. You know, Carey Price can be pretty, pretty tough to beat. But you had not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six power plays. And the zone entries and the lack of shots that you had during those six power plays, and I'm talking specifically to the Philadelphia Flyers, was unacceptable. We know that the power play had not been playing that well, even in the postseason. And in the regular season, it was a bit of a problem. Just going back today and listening to some old podcasts that Cameron and I had done, there was complaining about the power play then. 
So it's not necessarily a surprise that the Flyers would all of a sudden be struggling with the power play, but they didn't even... Struggling would be putting it kindly. They were abysmal on the power play. Their entries were so sloppy. Their passing was so not crisp. And Montreal was able to clear the puck fairly easily. On the flip side, Montreal's power play wasn't that much better. And as we look at the stats, Montreal was 0 for 3 on the power play, where the Flyers were 0 for 6. I thought that the Flyers did a great job on their penalty kill. But none of that matters right now, because we're talking about the powerless play. And that is what it is. Until they get a goal, only Philadelphia fans should call the power play the powerless play. It was so bad. I think they had, in six power plays, I can remember one decent scoring chance, and that was when Travis Konechny hit the post when he tried to uh, snipe it from close to the circle on the blocker side of Carey Price. Other than that, not a lot going on. Not a lot. And I and I hate to be this guy, but they're paying a lot of money to guys like Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, Sean Couturier, to guys like Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny. You got to score on the power play. You just simply have to. If you win this series with your power play being as bad as it is, I promise you, you will not win the next series playing as badly as they have been on the power play. It's just, you need your power play to be a force in the playoffs if you want to make a deep run. Sticking uh, uh, according to the stats, the Flyers were once again beaten out by Montreal on the Corsi 4 percentage, Montreal controlling 56.96% of the Corsi. But the Flyers did much better in expected goals for. They actually held a 51.98 expected goals for percentage. Top performers were Sean Couturier, Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, Phil Myers, Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim are on this list for top core C4 uh, performers, and I'm glad to see that because those two have been the best two defensemen the Flyers have had throughout the playoffs. And I think that that's saying a lot when you consider that Ivan Provorov has been good. Justin Braun, when he's had Robert Haig, I thought has been fairly okay. Matt Neskinen has had his struggles, but I think for the most part, he's still going to be a good contributor. These two have been off the charts. The things that they're able to do, they separate bodies from the puck. They're able to clear the zone, their own zone, quite well. And obviously, these guys are offensive presences as well. They can take a shot on goal. They can create a scoring chance. I saw it a couple times yesterday with Travis Sanheim pinching down, and he was able to create a scoring opportunity for the Flyers. Of course, it didn't go anywhere. The Flyers only got one goal. But those are the moments that you like to see out of your young defensemen who have the confidence to go up and make those type of plays. As far as line combinations for the Flyers... The Giroux, Voracek, and Couturier line was better. They honestly were probably the best line the Flyers had that night. Lawton, Hayes, and TK still trying to find their way. But in fairness to Travis Konechny, in all situations on the analytical front, he actually played quite well with a 51.28 Corsi 4 percentage and a 13.05 Corsi 4 relative. So he was out there, and I know, and I think a lot of people noticed that he was out there making plays. Unfortunately, they're just not going in the net right now for the Flyers. We talked about what Elaine Vigneault said. Before I get to Elaine Vigneault, I just kind of want to echo his marks from the other day after a Game 2 loss. When asked about the lack of production coming from the first two lines, he said, listen, I know that their intentions are good, but at some point it has to translate onto the ice. So before we continue, I just want to get word from, or I just want to hear from Elaine Vigneault what he had to say from Game 3. These are the kind of playoff games you have to uh, cut out and, and uh, come out front. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a greasy hockey game. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes you, you get these where uh, guys are working extremely hard, not giving themselves or the opposition a lot of room. 
and uh, you just got to grease it out. Uh, and that's what we did. We scored that goal early. Uh, Carter made some big saves, and uh, we were able to get uh, the win. So we'll uh, learn from it, try and get better next game, and go from there. Next question, Charlie O'Connor, The Athletic. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Elaine. You mentioned after game two that you felt like your team was outworked. Would you say that was the biggest difference between game three and game two, that you guys outworked them or at least weren't outworked in this one? Yeah, well, I think both teams tonight worked extremely hard. It was hard to make uh, offensive plays. Um, you know, both teams were uh, not giving each other a lot of room out, out on the ice. Uh, there weren't a lot of lanes to get pucks through, big shot blocks. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, Q right now. We had two huge shot blocks during this game. Guys are putting their body on the line. And, uh, you know, you got to grind these out. Uh, sometimes you'll get some of these, especially in the playoff. And uh, tonight, obviously, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of room on the ice. Next question, Jordan Hall. Hey, Jordan. Hi, Elaine. Uh, I know, obviously, offensively, you only score one goal, but you block 24 shots. Uh, just how impressed are you with that type of effort? Well, that's what you need in, in, in playoff hockey. Uh, you know, those shot blocks are sometimes as important as a, a great offensive look. So, uh, you know, our guys are, uh, are are paying the price. It's it's hard hockey. It's physical hockey out there. Uh, you know, both teams want to win, and then both teams are battling hard. And uh, uh, both teams are getting great goaltending, and it was uh, – it was one of those games where offensively there wasn't much. So Elaine Vigneault talking about puck blockage. He was asked about that by Jordan Hall, and I thought that that was a, actually a really telling stat. In game two, I had said that, no crap, the Flyers blocked a lot of shots. They were getting so many pumped in on them early in the game that they had to. Game three was a bit more of a legitimate statistic in the 24 to 10 ratio between the Flyers and Canadians block shots. It was phenomenal how they played defensively. That was a near, other than Scott Lawton's couple turnovers, and yeah, they still struggled to get the puck out of the zone here and there. That was a near flawless performance by the Flyers' defense, the way that they were able to neutralize the speed, strength, and honestly, the shooting prowess. We saw in the first two games, Montreal going crazy, just shooting everything they could. Game three was a little different. They really weren't able to shoot as much at Philadelphia the way that I think they would have wanted to. I'm sure that they would have wanted to have taken more chances and shooting on net, but the Flyers' defense was a lot more, I want to say, balanced. Look no further than the power play for Montreal. They did not get a lot of looks. They got very, very little in terms of power play opportunities themselves because where the Flyers had themselves stationed. Carter Hart was also mentioned by Elaine Vigneault. What a rebound for this kid. Carter Hart had got pulled from Game 2. We all remember, after such a great start to his playoff career, here he is, he's getting pulled. Obviously, everyone was disappointed to see it. I think everyone was more disappointed by the loss. No one more disappointed, I'm sure, than Carter Hart. But what a rebound. He stopped all 23 shots from Montreal. He now moves to 4-1 and one in these playoffs with a 1-5-1 goals against average and a save percentage of .949. This shutout, he set a record. He became the youngest Flyers goalie to ever record a shutout in the playoffs. And a little another fun fact, which I looked into because I didn't think that it had happened before in his career. Carter Hart committed a delay game penalty by accidentally shooting the puck out of play uh, without it being deflected or hitting the boards, and obviously that's a delay game penalty. 
that delay a game penalty was the first penalty that he's ever committed in his career, which hopefully will not be repeated anytime soon. But just another little fun fact for our young goaltender, Carter Hart, who continues to make play after play, save after save, not making these flashy plays, but just being where he needs to at the, at the perfect time. Another thing that I want to talk about that Elaine Vigneault touched on, it was the first question that was asked to him. He talked about, you know, having to get, you know, it was a greasy hockey game. And I think that this was a really telling win for the Philadelphia Flyers. I know that I've been very critical of the Tampa Bay Lightning in the past because I, I called them frauds. I said that, you know, they're, that they're mentally weak. Well, part of that has to do with Tampa Bay's inability last year to you know, win the hard-fought hockey game, the greasy game where you're not going to score five, six goals, but you might have to win with one, two, maybe at the most three goals and hold off your opponent for dear life. The Flyers winning this game was not a testament to Montreal just not being lucky enough. I know they hit five posts, but I think it had more to do with the fact that the Flyers made the adjustments and they held off Montreal in a tough hockey game. You're not going to blow this team out. You're not just going to spank Carey Price for four goals in a period. You're going to have to win a tight 2-1 to contest, a 3-2 to game, a one nothing game. And the Flyers doing that, I think, is going to go a long way to them having the opportunity to not only take a 3-1 series lead tomorrow, but also potentially finish off the series on Wednesday. Games 4 and 5, Tuesday and Wednesday evening, I think that Philadelphia winning that game is great for confidence. You might think that, oh, Montreal still thinks they can play. Montreal, I, I didn't think Montreal was going to lose their confidence in Game 3. I didn't think that... Philadelphia was going to come out and beat them to a bloody pulp so badly that Montreal would be like, yeah, we have no business being here. Montreal is going to continue to carry that confidence moving forward. So if you can't beat the confidence, what you're going to have to do is simply beat the team. And that's what the Flyers did in Game 3. And honestly, if they can do it in Game 4, I think it'll set them up perfectly to finish this series off in 5. But first things first, winning Game 4, the most important thing. Getting the power play going, getting more than one goal, preferably. You're not, Carter Hart's not going to get a shutout every single time. So some other things happening around hockey right now. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Todd Reardon. I know Cameron loves Barry Trotz. We've talked so much about this series already between the New York Islanders and the Washington Capitals. The Islanders winning Game 3 in overtime 2-1 to to take a 3-0 commanding series lead. Honestly, if Washington gets swept after falling in seven last year to the Carolina Hurricanes and now potentially getting swept this year, I would not be surprised at all if Washington makes a change at coaching. I also, at the same time, wouldn't be surprised if they give Reardon another year and chalk this up as, well, it was a weird year. It was the, it was the year of the pandemic. We have no clue. It was, was no way it could have been avoided. So we'll see what happens there. I fully expect the Islanders to finish it out in four. The St. Louis Blues were saved last night by an old familiar face, if you're a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Braden Shen with an overtime winner, a hero in the Stanley Cup Finals, and a hero in Game 3 against the Vancouver Canucks as the St. Louis Blues prevented the Canucks from taking a 3-0 series lead. That series is now 2-1, giving confidence back to the defending champions. We'll see how the Vancouver Canucks are able to respond. I think that the Canucks have played great. That was a game that could have gone either way. Someone had to unfortunately lose, and the hockey gods chose the Canucks to lose in that game three. Blackhawks staving off elimination. They went beat the Vegas Golden Knights last night, 3-1. to one. We'll see if they're able to turn that series around at all. I'm a little hesitant to say yes, but they weren't swept. They got to play. You got to win. 
Uh, perhaps Vegas is going for the gentleman sweep or maybe something more. Maybe the Chicago Blackhawks have a little bit of 2010 Flyers magic in them. The Dallas Stars staged a late comeback, scoring in the final seconds of their game yesterday against the Calgary Flames and ultimately winning it in overtime to tie that series up 2-2. That's a great series. If you get the chance to watch Calgary versus Dallas, I 100% recommend it. I had picked Calgary to win that series, but the Stars coming back and winning could do wonders for their confidence. But that's just been that's just been a really fun series to watch. The Lightning took a stranglehold today by beating the Columbus Blue Jackets two to one. They now lead that series three to one and are just one step closer to exercising those demons and moving on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Carolina Hurricanes are in action tonight against the Boston Bruins. At the time of this recording, I'm not going to give the score mainly because I think it'll be kind of stupid. Because by the time this gets put out, I would imagine the game will be over. And the Arizona Coyotes took on the Colorado Avalanche today. That one I will absolutely give a score update for because that game is over. The Colorado Avalanche solving Darcy Kemper finally to the tune of a 7-1 beating over Arizona. They take a 3-1 series lead. They're looking in great shape to move on. Not that anyone should be surprised. Colorado is one of the best teams in the Western Conference, maybe even the best team and the final news headline, this storyline we just talked about, the Philadelphia Flyers showing they can get down and dirty to beat the Montreal Canadiens. We will see you back here for the Fly Guys podcast on Thursday after Game 5, so we'll have two games to talk about. Cameron will certainly be back, and I'm sure he'll be happy to get his two cents in. I'm sure many of you will be happy that it's not all just my voice doing the talking. You can follow us on Twitter at GoodHeartJustin, at CameronKlein15. Be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, be happy, be healthy, please wear your masks, and as always, let's go Flyers.